0: Get a free copy of Chantel Ray's Five Alive contract, the form that she has her agents sign to get a guaranteed $75,000 salary if they don't make it in commissions. A very controversial plan that's happening in her market today. You can get a free copy. Just text contract to 444-999 or go to hybendigital.com backslash contract. That's hybendigital.com backslash contract, or just text contract to 444-999. Okay, Rockstar Nation, boy, we have a super returning guest. I got a guy that probably knows more about... Real estate investing today than anyone else on the planet when it comes to new, unique, different ideas with regards to real estate investing. Joe Fairless has been kind enough to come back and visit us. Joe runs the best real estate investing advice ever podcast. 365 guests a year that are all real estate investors. And he has learned a ton. And I asked him to come back and share the top seven things that he's learned over the last couple of years interviewing over a thousand investors. So Joe, welcome back to Real Estate Rockstars.
1: Hey, thanks a lot, Pat. But you know what? I like to always set the bar low because it's a lot easier to set a, ex- exceed expectations. Now I'm going to have to just bring it to another level <laughs> because of you.
0: Sorry, sorry. <laughs> So what else didn't I tell our audience here about you, Joe, if they want to get to know you a little bit better?
1: Well, I'd I'd say, I mean, it's it's all about what's most relevant to everyone listening. And so I'd say I, my company controls $102 million worth of real estate, primarily multifamily properties, uh, primarily based in, in those properties are primarily in Texas and Dallas, Fort Worth. I, as you mentioned, I got the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. been doing that for over, I think, almost three years. Almost, yeah, about two and a half, three years. And I've written a couple books. One is The Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever, Volume 1, which was personally endorsed by Barbara Corcoran. And the next one is, you'll notice the theme here, The Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever, Volume 2, which uh, released in mid-March. So that that has uh, that's the second volume. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's mainly my focus. The primary way I make money is doing multifamily syndication. And the primary way I learn is by doing. But then also the podcast. It's an incredible way to uh, just learn from others like yourself who are doing some uh, exceptional things and then, you know, decide which direction I want to take my company based off of the insight that I get from the guests.
0: Wow. And so Joe, let's see. So here's something interesting. You were on the show probably about a year and a half, two years ago, number 218, 218. Now we're on 470. And at that time you gave me a biography. Today's biography says 102 million worth of assets owned by you and your partners. What do you think that biography said? <laughs> it probably
1: said 7 million.
0: Yes, it did. It said yeah. 7 million. I was it looking did. at that and I was like, "Whoa, man. So <laughs> that's like almost 200 million dollars in real estate owned." Can you give us a little idea of what your personal journey was so that we can learn from you? Yeah, and you know, it
1: coincidentally it ties into the first Thing that I wanted to mention, you know, top. We we talked about the best way to structure our conversation for your listeners, and it's a nice, compact s- top seven things I've learned from the show from you know, interviewing almost a thousand people, and it's not just passively listening to them. I'm t- I'm actively taking notes during every conversation. I'm highlighting things. I'm bolding things, and then I recap those conversations afterwards. And then I identify what aspects, if any at all, should I take from that conversation and apply to my business. And now to directly answer your question or, or talk a little bit about my journey, one thing I've learned along the way is that we have to partner wisely. And that's how I went from $7 million to now $102 million. And if we were to interview in three weeks, it would be... A hundred and we'll say thirty-five million dollars uh, because we're going to close on a couple deals uh, in about two couple, to three
0: weeks. A Couple big ones, huh? Yeah, 15 yeah, million-dollar deals.
1: Yeah, uh, th- well, yeah, two on average, two fifteen million-dollar. I mean, all in, it's uh, five hundred and thirty-four units, uh, about a a little over thirty million-dollar purchase price. Wow. So we're clo- we're closing on those in two to three weeks.
0: And Uh, is this class A property you're buying? Class B. Class B,
1: okay. Yeah, class B property. What we look for, it's really simple, 150 plus units, 1980 build or newer with a value add component to it. And then then we'll take a look at it. So how I got from 7 million to 102 million to over 130 here in a little while is I partnered wisely. I identified... What I was good at and what I was not good at, uh, and I, I, I'm only good at a couple good a couple things. But I am I mean I have to objectively look at it. And I am exceptional at a couple good things, and I'm average at some things, and I suck at some other things. Um, and I, I suck at a lot more things. Than I'm actually uh, average at or exceptional at. But the things I'm exceptional at is uh, bringing investor dollars to deals. And identifying opportunities uh, and being able to communicate those opportunities in uh, the right way that resonates. And marketing—I'm just—I'm good at marketing, and so I identified that on the first uh, couple deals that I did in real estate, and I identified areas that I'm average at, which is underwriting, which is asset management, and. Uh, What I did is like, okay, so I'm very good at something, but I'm average at some other very important, uh, probably more important things as it relates to my business. So, what do I do about that? Do I try to focus on the weaknesses and get better at those at the expense of a, a strength, a very good strength that I have, or do I compensate by bringing on someone else? And I brought on someone else. And that's one thing I learned we have to partner wisely. and the the three things, the three step process for this is first, know what's needed. We have to know the business well enough to know what is required, what type of skill sets are required to be successful, what type of duties are required to be successful within that at within that business. Once we know enough about the skill sets required, then we have to be honest with ourselves. And we have to know what we're good at and usually what we're good at is what we enjoy doing the thing that it, you know we could do for hours and hours and hours and we go don't get tired because we just enjoy doing it so much and so if we if, if anyone has a challenge thinking about what they are really good at then just think about what you enjoy doing within your business and that's probably going to be what you are really good at mm-hmm. uh, absolutely and, and so once once we identify what's needed, then we know our strengths. That's number two. And the third thing is really simple. You bring on people to complement your strengths. So specifically, my business partner, he uh, was working at a multifamily syndication firm, a larger firm in Los Angeles, uh, for eight to nine years. And uh, he oversaw asset management, acquisition, disposition, underwriting he i mean he built his own financial model from scratch it's an incredibly robust spreadsheet he's got his mba from ucla engineering degree i mean smart dude he he's good at those things he's exceptional at those things and he so he had the traditional background i had the more entrepreneurial background and i identified and he identified a way to partner up and how we got introduced is he was looking for uh, money. He had identified a deal, run the numbers through his financial model. It made sense, but he couldn't get any money. And I initially, and thank goodness this didn't pan out. I initially was like, I don't know. I got other things going on. I'm going to introduce you to some people who might be able to help you raise the money. And they didn't pan out. They, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't take on the project because he hadn't done his own deal. Uh, he hadn't done a deal on his own before. He had done it within the the company that he was at. But he wanted to branch out and be an entrepreneur. And I, I eventually, I got a little upset, actually. I was like, you know what? He's got a good opportunity. Why the hell isn't aren't people giving him a shot? Uh, and I, I remember vividly, I, I was driving to Texas from Ohio at the time. I forget why. But I was driving to Texas. And I remember talking to him on the phone driving. I was like, you know what? this is BS. You should get the equity for this deal because it's a good one. I, I'm, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and we're going to do it. And at the time it was something ridiculous. Like he needed $2 million in two weeks. I mean, something, something stupid, ridiculous because of how the contract was written. But, uh, so, but I jumped on board. I was like, we'll see where we go in two weeks and then we'll, we'll determine if I proceed or not. And if we proceed, well, I did not raise 2 million in two weeks. Fortunately, We had more time, I forget exactly what happened, but the contract got extended. I also found a partner who would raise some money with us on the general partnership side and we cobbled together, I think it was $2.5 million for that deal. And it happened to be in August of 2015 in Houston when oil was what everyone was talking about and not in a good way. Everyone was just kicking the oil industry and and consequently um, talking about how bad of an investment Houston <laughs> was going to be. And that was an additional challenge on top of the new partnership and him doing the first deal on his own and and me bringing the equity. Um, but now we fortunately have the benefit of, of time because it's since been 17 months since we purchased it. And I'm proud to say we bought it for $14.1 million. It appraised last December, so 15 months after purchase, for over $21 million. And we put in $2 million. So all in, we're at around $16 million and it appraised for $21 million. And we we benefited as a result of being a contrarian investor and investing in Houston. But ultimately, going back to the learning of this, and that is partnering wisely because I would not have from seven to, to 102 million if I had not partnered wisely because I'd still be trying to learn the business as an expert and not letting the experts handle what their, do, what their expertise is in and not let me handle what my expertise is in.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's great advice. And and it brings a ton of questions, which I, I won't dwell on, but I will ask you quickly. It, what is your model? Is your model to refinance these and take money back out when they appraise high like that?
1: Yeah. It's a five-year exit, two years refinance, and then five-year exit, it, generally speaking. It also depends on the source of equity. Mm-hmm. For, for example, the two properties we're closing on in a couple weeks. Uh, we have one investor, and how I got him is <laughs> a pretty interesting story. But we have one investor, him and his family, investing in twelve million bucks in these properties. He's the only investor, him and his family, uh, and it's going to be a longer term hold. So it's a slightly different play. Uh, so it just it just depends on the equity source. Uh, but usually it's a five-year, projected to be a five-year hold. Anything can happen. We might sell sooner, we might sell later, but it's projected to be five years and with a two-year refinance. We don't have in our projections that we're going to return equity after year two during the refinance. It'd just be icing on the cake if we do. And in that case, the the property I was referencing, the 250 units that we bought, uh, we did return about 40% back to investors 15 months later.
0: So just curious why why only 40%? You know if it uh, if you could get 100% with what it was with, with the 16 million, you know you could get it all back. Why wouldn't you just take it all back? Got to
1: keep money in the bank. We got to got want to play conservatively and want to make sure that we are cash flow he- cash heavy during the hold period, you know, and returning 40% is a significant chunk, mm-hmm. but then also want to make sure we got enough reserves for. So a you told
0: day. them, you said, Hey, I only want to borrow, only want to borrow
1: 40%. Uh, we got a loan for the full amount that we could. We just returned to investors 40% and kept, you know, keeping the rest in the bank. And then we'll return a little bit at a time, over time, while we have the property just to make sure that we have enough cash on hand for anything that might come up.
0: Wow. Yeah, exciting stuff. And one last question. We'll get on to the sixth thing. So go ahead and tell that story about how you met the guy with 12 million.
1: Oh, so, yeah, super simple. I was interviewing on someone else's podcast and then got got a message through my contact us page hmm. at joferrelles.com, a contact us page request. And it said something like, uh, I'm an investor in the subject line. And then in the body was, uh, what type of opportunities do you have from so-and-so? <laughs> that was it. And so I got on a call, met this individual, got to know each other, built a relationship. And then they, he ended up investing a little bit in um, relative, relatively speaking, a little bit in some deals Invested in four or five of our deals, and then about oh, I think like six months ago, uh, they went. They were our only partner on one of our deals, and that's going incredibly well. And then now they're going to be only partner on these other two deals.
0: That's awesome, and, and 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 you know, I think the story there is you never know what the universe is going to bring you, right? You never know where the next. Partner on a deal is going to come from where your next, you know, idea for a business or opportunity is going to show up. But you know, if you if you just leave yourself open to the universe, things will show up, right? I mean, is that do you feel lucky in that sense? I
1: I agree with you. I certainly agree with you, and I I do feel fortunate. I'd say I, I'd say I hesitate to use the word luck, and this just might be semantics, just because in addition to interviewing on the podcast i also have a daily real estate podcast as you know we talked about and at the time i was, I was probably i don't know 3 600 episodes in so that level of commitment i suspect although i haven't asked him directly showed that I'm serious about what I'm doing and it also adds a level of social credibility to it. Right. So so I I, I think that perfect storm of stuff um combined together to result in and us performing on deals, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um com, uh, combined to to make it happen. Um and, you know, there might be an element of chance, but I, I think there's a lot of, of creating opportunities. Um, which is actually another lesson that I've learned on the podcast.
0: At Rebus University, we seek out the best practices of today's top real estate agents and travel around the world to film them and bring them to you in an educational format. Listen to what one of North Carolina's top Remax agents has to say about our new certified listing program.
2: Hey, Pat, this is Buddy Blake with Remax Essential. Uh, it's been a little while since we talked, but I wanted to call you and thank you and your team at uh, Rebus University. We did the listing agent university and listing specialist course. I did it myself months ago, and I will tell you that that was. One of the most informative systems I've ever done, it is meat and potato stuff versus the theoretical bull crap that you see people say and do. And certainly you go to all these conventions and people show you all these whiz-bang new ideas. This was real in-the-trenches stuff. And uh, I use it myself. And you may not even know it, but we use it for my team. I have a team of about 10 and before I allow buyer agents to take on new listings and become listing agents per se, be able to do listings, they are required to go through this course. Also, we've expanded it out. I have five ReMAX offices, and we've got over a hundred agents in our company, and a good percentage of them are now taking this course as a training program, especially new agents that we have onboard that are brand new into our system, we require them before they can go on their first listing appointment to take and pass this entire course. It is the best thing that's out there right now, and I wanna thank you for putting it together I'm looking forward to getting involved with some of the other courses and really looking forward to maybe a buyer-agent course. That would be wonderful. But uh, I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity to work with your team. Thank you for taking the time to put it together. It was absolutely fabulous, Pat. Thank you so much, and I just hope you know how much you and your organization means to us. Thank you.
0: For $200 off this program, use coupon code CLA200. The Chantel Ray Five Alive program is now public. Yes, now anybody in the universe can find out what goes on behind the scenes, what the step-by-step procedures are, and what she is doing to grow so many agents making well over six figures a year. For a copy of this program, go to rebusuniversity.com and get $200 off With the coupon code 5alive200, 5alive200, I'll give you 200 bucks off, which is a smoking deal that others will not get, I promise you, in the future, 5alive200, just the number five and the number 200 at rebusuniversity.com. So, what would the what's the second thing?
1: Yeah. So, number one, partner wisely. Talk talk about the three step process. Number two, I mean, might as well. And I'm I'm uh, I had them in order, but I'm just bouncing around based on the flow of our conversation. By yeah, the way, yeah, yeah, sure. So, I'm gonna segue right into a, the a good one that we just talked about, and that is create opportunities in a hot market. Mm. Uh, so that's number that's number two. And let me tell you about these five hundred plus units that we're buying. Uh, later this month, we created that opportunity. We created it from scratch and Mm. nobody on the face of this earth saw what we saw. And Mm. here's what what happened. Okay, There was an on-market deal, a 300 plus unit deal that was marketed by a broker. And that broker was publishing it to everyone on his email list. And we were one of those people. We saw it, we liked it, but with the bidding getting higher and higher, we weren't sure about buying it until we had an idea. And my let me let me be let me be specific. My business partner. Until my business partner had an idea, because I, I want to give him credit where credit's due. So he had an idea. It's like, well, why don't we look across the street? Uh, because maybe there's an opportunity to combine something. We looked across the street. And lo and behold there's a 200 plus unit apartment community. And the 300 unit that was marketed was is 90% one bedrooms. The one across the street, the 200 unit, it's primarily two and three bedroom apartments. So we worked the angle to get the across the street property under contract. And when we got the the across-the-street property under contract, we then could get more aggressive with the 300-unit property because there are economies of scale with operations. We will be able to uh, refer back and forth because those two properties complement each other so well. And nobody else saw that, guaranteed. Nobody else saw that. And we were able to buy in a hot market by creating an opportunity by part, by combining those two properties.
0: And was the other one for sale or did you just oh, call them? Off, yeah. No,
1: it, it wasn't for sale. We had a relationship with, uh, we, well, we have a relationship with a broker, different broker from the 300 units. Mm-hmm. We have a relationship with a broker who's well connected with local owners and we worked through him to uh, get in contact with that owner. And it was an off-market deal, wasn't? Wasn't marketed. We we worked the back channels on the uh, on the other deal, and we ended up getting them both under contract, and we're closing next this later this month.
0: That's awesome. You're gonna call them the same thing?
1: No. Uh, what we're gonna we we're actually going to we're going to keep them separate uh, because it's a fairly busy road and you can't like drive a golf cart across from one to another mm. and one's you know three bedrooms and two bedrooms and one's one bedroom and and they have a different look to them the one bedroom community is a concrete jungle uh, whereas the two and three bedroom it's sprawled out got a creek running through it just a, a different vibe mm. but from a business standpoint when we need a one-bedroom, we, we know where to go. When we need two and threes, we know where to go.
0: That's awesome. Okay, so we got Partner Wisely, Create Opportunities. What's the third one?
1: The third one is what you and I actively do, and I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners actively do, and this is from an, an interview. I can't remember if he said it during the interview or if I just mentioned it during the interview because he said it previously. It's Robert Kiyosaki and um the quote is the richest people in the world build networks everyone else looks for work mm. and that's something i've realized with my podcast the more people i interview i mean i interviewed a guy his name's dave van horn he's a, a note buyer and he he brings in investors to deals or or note packages uh that those note packages are upside down mortgages. Mm-hmm. But yet he still raises money for for these and it it works for him. And how does he do that? Well he builds a network. He he has a local meetup group and that local meetup group has grown and now he's he's grown that to different regional groups. And the more I look around of at the real estate leaders who are actually making money, not just talking about making money, actually doing deals, not just talking about it, the more I realize that they've built a network. And what I recommend and what I live and breathe, obviously, is to have what I call a thought leadership platform. Uh, And that platform can be as simple as a local meetup, or it could be as robust as a daily podcast like I do or a regular podcast like you do. It could be a YouTube channel. It could be uh, a, a blog. Uh, but the key is to tie into a large distribution channel when possible. Mm. Because it's, it's challenging to create a blog in a silo. If you're like, you know what, I'm a good writer. I love writing. I'm going to do a blog. That's great. But it's going to be really difficult for you to gain significant traction from that if you're not tying into, say, a bigger pockets or a large distribution channel where you're blogging for them and then you're sending people to your blog. Uh, So look at large distribution channels. Clearly, YouTube built an audience, podcasts, got iTunes built an audience, even a local meetup. You've got meetup.com and Eventbrite a built-in audience. So have a thought leadership platform. And what that does for anyone starting out, if, you might, if you're thinking, oh, man, I don't know, I'm just starting out. Well, great. Even more reason to have a thought leadership platform because what you can do is not say a damn word during the meetup, but then invite people to speak to the group. You can learn. And guess what? Because you're uh, rounding everyone up, just because you're the person gathering everyone, you're automatically elevated to another level in their eyes. Mm. You don't have to say you don't have to say a word. You're just automatically at another level, and then you'll start getting more and more opportunities while you're learning. So there's there's no reason not to have a thought leadership platform in some capacity. It could be as simple as an email newsletter. Mm. I mean, if, if you if you want to if you want to be really lazy about it, it could be an email newsletter and then grow from there. Um, but ultimately, uh, if we do have a thought leadership platform and we do, as Robert Kiyosaki says, the richest people have build networks, if we have a network, then yeah. we're going to set ourselves up for success.
0: Absolutely. How many people would you say are in your network right now? I don't know. I mean, like uh, uh, fans of the show. The-
1: yeah, I, I'd say, two, uh, well, 250,000 downloads a month. There you go.
0: So that's pretty significant. And then, do you have an email list that?
1: Uh, is- yeah, what I look at, um, I mean, the most, the the most valuable in terms of dollars and cents, uh, for me would be my investor list, mm-hmm. and that is uh, my accredited investors who invest in my deals. And I think the last time I looked, that was at one hundred and thirty three people. Right. So that is the most valuable dollars and cents. Now I'm not talking about relationships or or um, just fulfilling, you know, fulfillment and friendships. I'm just talking about dollars and cents, relationship with a credit investor is the most valuable. And so 133 people are, are on that list.
0: Amazing. Very good. Very good. Okay, so partner wisely, create opportunities and build networks, high value networks, hopefully. And then, uh, okay, what's the fourth most important thing you've learned from interviewing close to a thousand real estate investors?
1: I mean, similar to what you talk about with, uh, with goal sent with goal setting and, uh, breaking them down into kind of bite size or smaller things. Uh, I, I approach goal setting as a 10 to 12 to one goal planning. So 10, goal planning and the ten stands for ten years, twelve stands for twelve months, and one stands for one month. Mm, love it. And, and so I—I I mean, I—I'm in my home office right now. I'm surrounded by one—a large poster that is the size of—I don't know—it's like five feet long and four feet wide <laughs> of a vision board of my vision board. Nice. And, and it's just hanging up there. What's all? Uh, and that. It has uh, a picture of me on Forbes magazine, and Sweet. It, says, it says billionaires, and it nice. says Joe Fairless, real estate entrepreneur, mm. uh, because I saw that it's the same cover that they had, I don't know, whenever I created this, like four, three four years ago, uh, and I saw it, and I was like, wait, I want that picture to be me. <laughs> so I reached out to someone I knew who has some graphic design skills, and I asked her to put my picture on there with the same title. That's uh, cool. And so I've had that and that, and then, you know, Tony Robbins secret living, the giving that's on there too. And, um, some other things got a couple rings for when I get married to my fiance here in June, some other stuff, but having a, a 10 year goal, um, and then backing into, okay, based on that, what are, uh, what is my annual goal for the year? So kind of breaking it down a little bit and then, a monthly goal that leads into both the 12 and the 10 year and you know i'm looking at my monthly goals i have a dry erase board on my other wall it's a big old large dry erase board by the way you can buy this at lowe's or home depot it's um it's um just a marker dry erase marker board for like eight dollars and put that up on your wall um a lot cheaper than like 60 dollar boards that you might buy on amazon Uh, but i i have this and Let's see. One of them is to uh, f- find get a new property under contract. And I just have a yes, no checkbox. And right now it's no. Uh, but we're in best and final on a couple deals. Another is read two books, which I've read both of them already. Another is to launch the book, uh, the volume two book, which I mentioned earlier. Because I wasn't sure when this podcast is airing. So I'm not sure if, if it will be launched by then. But it should launch in mid-March. And then... Um, another is to go to Vegas, which I'm going here in three hours for March madness. So
0: <laughs> sweet. <laughs> sweet. Well, we better, we better finish up the, yeah, yeah. we better so, finish but, this up. Then you got, yeah, you exactly. got better things to do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like get so back and
1: have having the goal planning and reverse engineering at bringing it down. And four goes along. Number four, 10, 12, one goes along with number five, which is daily consistent action towards things that work, which is why I mentioned kind of your approach where you, break it down to what consistent actions do I need to do. And I've identified, you know I, I make the most of my, most amount of my money by doing multifamily deals. And how I do more deals is I'm able to find more, deals that fit our criteria and match that up with my own money plus investor money. Mm. Therefore, I need to find more deals and more money basically a pretty simple and the best way to find more deals and more money is to build real relationships with people and let people get to know me better faster. How I do that is through the daily podcast. Number one, having interviews with people like you who are at the top of their game, and getting to know investors and people along my journey. And so the daily consistent action, I mean, I've been doing a daily podcast for over almost a thousand days straight now. And then some other miscellaneous things that I do every day that lead to number four, and number five, which is the goal planning and doing consistent work towards that, getting that action done.
0: That's awesome. And then six.
1: Six. If uh, so th- I'm I'm gonna take a different approach here for any. This is for I've this is for any wholesaler out there. And I've never wholesaled. I've only bought a house from a wholesaler once, so I haven't done this before. But I've interviewed enough people to know that if you are just wholesaling, then you're missing out on money. Hmm. If you if you're a one trick pony with wholesaling, then you're missing out on uh, lease options where you have the property and you actually rent it back to some owners or do seller financing and rent it back to them and you, you make money in like three different ways from their initial deposit to the monthly rent to when they actually exercise their option to purchase. So lease to own with, with that. We've, so as wholesalers, if you're wholesaling now, learn uh, lease options or, or lease to own strategy and that will get you in more deals and ultimately help you get more revenue streams.
0: Okay, very good. I like it. And then it.
1: La- lastly is lastly is pretty technical. It's for people who are raising money. Actually, it's any for any fix and flipper too. As I've gotten more experience with raising money and uh, bringing in investors and in deals, I've interviewed a lot of securities attorneys. And obviously, I'm not one. Talk to a securities attorney. Uh, and I want, you know what, as an aside, I wonder if I actually, and people actually have to say that, uh, cause you know, you know, everyone who's not an attorney always says I'm not an attorney, but I wonder <laughs> if an attorney would say uh, you have to say that. No. Uh, anyway, that's an aside. <laughs> uh, so the, there's a, here's the, here's the lesson. Number seven, there's a difference between a joint venture and the syndication mm. and do tell most, most, uh, people who raise private money for their deals are doing so illegally. Uh, because what I, I usually hear from someone who's fixing and flipping is, oh yeah, I've got a private money partner. Uh, they put up the money, I do the work, and then I give them a return of, say, like a certain percentage. Well, the problem is that there's a 4 prong test to determine if it's a security, which is a syndication, which you need to do, versus a joint venture. And the test, and I got this uh, from one of my guests, uh, Julian Doty, she's at uh, crowdfundinglawyers.net. And she said the four prong test is one, if there's an investment of money, so in that case, the fix and flipper case, there was an investment of money. Number two, an expectation of profits. Again, they expect to make profits. Uh, three, more than one investor, it's them and you, your investors into the deal, whether it's money or uh, sweat equity, etc. And then four, if they're passive. So if you have a, someone that you're bringing money, if someone is bringing money into your deal and they're passive and they're expecting a return based on your expertise, it's a security and you have to get it registered. And and it's different for different states. If if the deal and the investor and you all, all are all in one state, then I think that's a different scenario than if it's, inter, if, if it's across multiple states. Uh, but I recommend that you talk to a securities attorney if you're currently bringing in private money. And just make sure that what you're doing is on the up and up because there are ramifications in a very negative way If you're not adhering to the proper securities law. Um, So that's kind of a watch out uh, for anyone who's bringing in private money.
0: So would there be a lot of people out there now that you think would debate you on that? I mean, would they, you know, some of these crowdfunding sites and
1: well, there's
0: tons of syndication happening right now.
1: I, I don't think any. I don't think there's a debate. I think a security is a security. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I I didn't go to law school. I'm just repeating what the the every security attorney tells me. <laughs> so I don't think there's any debate. I think yeah, you, know, you mentioned crowdfunding websites. Yeah, of course they're they they are putting together a, a a security, and that's why most of them you have to be an accredited investor. Um, Unless they do a 506C offering, which is a general so, – oh, no, actually, no. That is 506C. They, they, haven't they, it, haven't they, yeah, 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 that's haven't they loosened up? They've
0: loosened yeah, yeah. up well, so you don't have to be accredited anyway. Well,
1: well five, there's two main ones, 506B, where you can bring in accredited or unaccredited investors, but there's more disclosures involved. Either way, that's a security. Or 506C, where you can generally solicit and advertise. I could advertise my offering – On your podcast, if it wasn't just blatant self-promotion, if it was 506C, but I could only bring in accredited investors and there has to be a third-party verification process to prove that they're accredited. And it has Uh, to be a
0: specific property, right? You can't just say, hey, I'm Joe, you know, call me about future investments, right? You have to say, I'm advertising for this specific property in Dallas, Texas, address is this
1: yeah yeah uh, you you can, if you don't have a deal then there's there's no security again, I'm not an expert I right, just right, know right. i I know enough to know what I can and shouldn't shouldn't do or what doesn't what what doesn't smell right, right. Um, but I, I I can tell you that if you don't have a deal then i could t- i could tell all, all your listeners, hey, and if investing in multifamily passively sounds like something you'd like to do, then I'd love to get to know you. Reach out to me. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. I'm just so talking long about as long as you business. don't
0: collect the money, I guess. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It, it's about when you have a specific opportunity and you're soliciting funds publicly, it has to be a 506C. But oh, there, there really is no debate on it. It's just, it's a it's security law. So we just have to be careful about how how we approach it.
0: That's awesome. Well, Joe, I really appreciate you sharing all these seven things. I mean, that's you, you've clearly learned a lot. I'm going to put all of Joe's information on hybendigital.com backslash Joe Fairless, the number two, Joe Fairless, the number two. Joe, listen, hopefully, you know, next time I'm in the Dallas, Texas area or whatever, maybe we'll get together and we can uh, break some bread together.
1: You're the man. Would love that. Talk to you soon. Enjoyed it.
0: Thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Please be sure to leave us a five star review wherever you're listening. All five star reviews help us get better and better guests for your listening pleasure. And if you have a great review, I'll read it on the show. We're so proud of this show now with over a million downloads in 79 countries around the world. Also, Don't forget to buy my book if you haven't already, Six Steps to Seven Figures, A Real Estate Agent's Guide to Building Wealth and Creating Your Destiny, with an intro by Gary Keller. Sold everywhere online books are sold. You can always go to pathyben.com and find out about all things Pat Hyben. And don't forget to follow me on social media. All you got to do is type in my name, I'm Everywhere. And easy to find. I hope to meet face-to-face someday. But in the meantime, let's meet on social media. Thanks again for listening and keep rocking.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.